0: Welcome to Coach Quist, the podcast where you will learn more about health, personal development and entrepreneurship. So it's six o'clock in the morning. The alarm goes off. You reach for your phone. You might put it on snooze. You might turn it off. You lay around, starting to think in your thoughts. You might be thinking about what happened yesterday. You might be thinking about what's going to happen during the day you have have ahead of you. You might be thinking about the trouble you have in your personal life. You might be starting to think about the weather. Basically starting to think the same thoughts you were having yesterday morning and the morning before. You reach for your phone, you start to scroll on social media. You're living in checking out other people's lives, you're starting to check out the news, you're starting to check out what's going on in the world, and actually not paying attention about your own thoughts. You're somewhere else, thinking about what's going on in the world or looking at someone else's life and not really trying to get the best start of your day. You wake up, you go out of the same side of the bed as you usually do, you go to the, to the bathroom and do your routine like you do every morning. You go downstairs, you, you might be doing your cup of coffee, eating your breakfast, you jump in your car, listening to the same radio channel as you usually do, um, might be listening to the same pod as you usually do. You get to work and you greet the people at work at the same way you usually do, and actually behaving like you always do and having the same thoughts as you always been having and you wonder why how come nothing in my life is changing how come nothing you know i'm trying so hard to make more money or or you know advance in my career or try to make things happen but actually your your destiny is actually programmed from your behavior because your behavior is creating certain chemicals in your brains and the way you think the way you wire and your brain starts to act in the same way as it always has so there will not be a change if you keep on acting the same way as you have always done you need to decide to actually change your behavior from the moment you start in the morning decide what what thoughts to think decide what mood to be in Decide to what you're grateful for and starting your day in the best possible way so that you can actually have a certain mood change. You can have new, better thoughts. And this is a programming thing that doesn't change overnight. This is something we really need to work on. And it takes time but it's worth it because most people don't get any changes in life because they don't change the way they think and if they don't change the way they think they don't change the way they act so let today be the day you give up who you've been and become who you who you want to be and how you and who you would like to be and actually step up in your personal in your personal acting towards yourself. Because science has proven your brain translates every thought into a chemical equivalent. So negative thoughts not only affect the brain, but also the intestine. So our thoughts can make us sick. And it's not the way we think that it's only the, th- the thoughts only affect our brain. No, actually, anxiety, stress, or negative thoughts can, in various ways, impair the function of the intestine and thus, among other things, your immune system, since more than 70% of your immune system is in your gut. So working daily with your mindset can affect your health significantly more than most people can imagine. But our thoughts can also make us healthy. Change your thoughts and change your life. And this is what we have seen in recent years in, in, in several studies, that how the way we think can actually make us healthier because you need to understand that your brain is the coolest biggest uh, baddest uh, chemistry factory there is because you probably all know about the placebo effect that if you give someone an, an, a sugar pill or, or an infective pill that that pill actually can if you believe in it can make you healthy without having any certain chemicals in that pill. And how is that possible? Well, if you strongly believe in the pill you're taking and you're 100% sure that this is gonna cure whatever you have, the chances are that your brain is gonna produce those chemicals needed to get that certain effect. And at the same time, we can also see the the opposite effect, what's called the nocebo effect. So when you have the nocebo effect that you believe that you will get sick or you will get a, get a certain problem or you will die, well, you know, your brain is, is like the, 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 magic, the magic lamp. You know, your wish is my command. So we have seen in Asian tribes that when the medicine man puts a spell on someone and tells them they will die, they will die within two weeks most of the time. We see older couples that have been living together for many 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 years and certainly one of the partner dies and the other one quit living you know give up life and that other person you know might die within a couple of weeks just from giving up living so that's how powerful our brain is when it comes to uh, produce certain chemicals so if your thoughts if your thoughts can make you sick you know then you need to understand that your thoughts can also make you well so we need to take charge of the way we think, and we cannot start to have the behavior like I meet many people that says, "Well, this is how I am." You know, it's you know I can't change. This is how I've always been. I don't believe that people are born negative and <laughs> in a bad mood. No, we need to understand that it's 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 like a programming, and if it, if it has been programmed, it can be reprogrammed, and it's a matter of making a decision. And we can change so many things in so many ways, the way we think and therefore the way we act and therefore the way certain chemicals are produced in our brain. So, if we jump from the brain, like I said, there's a direct connection with our intestines. Research on the intestinal flora the last few years has been dramatic. There, come, there has come out over 10,000 scientific studies only in the last year. More than one article every hour right now. And the coolest thing about the gut is that there is trillions of organisms in the gut. We have actually more bacteria and organisms in the gut than we have cells throughout our whole body. So the, when we talk about that the gut has its own life that they call it the second brain well there's a reason for that because the intestinal flora is central to our health and it has so many functions and basically the intestinal flora rules our health for example if you think about how the gut function and, and and what happens in the the daily life of the gut well you put some food in your mouth and it goes down through your System and it comes down, passing the, the the stomach and it comes down to the small intestine, and the, <clears throat> the small intestine is is about six six meters long, uh, and it's it's in in uh, several uh, you know zigzag layers. So if you fold everything out, it, the intestinal the small intestines is about two hundred square meters, which is the equivalent of a tennis field. And if you just think about that size, and that's where the food is passing, and at the same time, there is only one layer of cells that is dividing what's going on, what's going through your gut, and, and keeping it from happening, um, going out in the bloodstream. So when you eat things you shouldn't be eating, Like we know for the gut, uh, uh, as well as for many other reasons, like I I have mentioned in in other episodes of of my podcast, sugar is like the, the number one killer today, and it causes inflammations, it causes damages in more ways than we can actually imagine. And if you're starting to get an inflammation in your gut from eating sugar, from eating wheat, or eating other things that our gut is not made for, for breaking down, well, we can get what's something. It's called a leaking gut syndrome, and if we get a leaking gut, then you know the parasites, uh, the yeast, the, the the particles that we have in our small intestine can leak out, and out into our bloodstream, and it can actually, you know, affect the brain. and It can affect other organs, and we do not want to have that leaking gut syndrome, which is very very common today because of the way we eat, and. One of the uh, things that happen in the gut is uh, a substance called cytokines, the substance that in themselves are a good signal carrier, but which also stimulates inflammation in the body and can affect so that the blood-brain barrier is open, which basically means that we get a negative influence on the brain. This, this um, inflammatory process can make us reduce the production of our happy hormones. And inflammation can also affect the development of the brain. And if we look at today what science has proven, if we look at diagnoses like schizophrenia, autism, ADHD, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, Parkinson and Alzheimer's, actually are all related to the gut. And there is so much that is happening in the research today. I would say that, you know, it's more obvious now than ever, and and when we have all the facts on the table, that we need to take care of the gut if we want to stay healthy, and if we want to have a good, high-quality life later on in life. And talking about the happy hormones, um, did you know that about 95% of the serotonin, which is the the happy hormone, is actually produced in the gut? So people that suffer from depression or uh, uh, mentally not feeling good could be the cause of, of not not enough production of serotonin. And when we go and and ask for help, most of the time we we get uh, medi- medicated, and and the medication is not for the for the gut; it's for the brain. And it's not the brain that is the problem; it's the gut. And if we don't produce the the serotonin, how can we be happy? So. We need to understand that taking care of the gut, putting nutrients in the gut, putting good bacteria in the gut, uh, feeding the gut fiber and and making the the intestinal flora, the microbiome, grow and thrive, that will make us actually younger and we're going to work on the anti-aging part of the body, starting in the gut so if we look at the good bacteria they actually counteracts, counteracts the inflammatory process and it helps the brain to produce a variety of substances that optimize brain function mood and much more so if we look at the total amount of good bacteria uh, that is one factor the diversity we have about 170 to 200 different types of bacteria in the gut and many health problems uh, arise if uh, the diversity decreases and we need the, uh, the, the, the best possible balance. Higher percentage of good bacteria and lower percentage of bad bacteria loss, um, needs to be balanced so that we keep the, the bad bacteria low and the good bacteria high. And, and then this we can affect by adding probiotics to our diet, by eating food uh, both functional food with added uh, uh, probiotics, but also um, eating stuff like kimchi and, and and things like that that actually has that bacteria culture in it. So there is many ways that we can feed the gut with good bacteria, but we also need to know when need, we need to put in prebiotics and the prebiotics are the complex fibers. So a uh, starch rich Fiber rich diet is something we really need to focus on if we want to keep a happy gut. Another example is the, the um, uh, neurotransmitter in the brain called GABA, who is produced in one of, one of the bacteria in the gut. So, some bacterial strains have shown to su- uh, suppress effects of anxiety, depression, and Alzheimer's. So, that's another reason why we need to feed the gut with a good bacteria. Now, if we start to think about what we put in our gut, we need to start to look at like, what should I eat? What should I think of when I, when I put food in my mouth? Well, if we look at the future, uh, I think we're gonna see much more variety of many fibers. Uh, these high fat diets uh, that has been popular for the last few years, are most of the time fairly uh, uh, not having. I mean, uh, not having enough of the, the the good fibers. The good fibers most of the time comes from the complex carbohydrates. We should not eat sugar or wheat or the refined uh, uh, carbohydrates, but we should eat complex carbohydrates that are absorbed in the bottom of the intestine. And that has shown ox also have an effect on our brain and actually makes us happier. Now, nutritional density should be high. So if we look at the modern diet today, we can see that most of the time, the, the stuff that makes us sick and the stuff that makes us overweight is actually food that are rich in calories, but low in vitamins and nutrients. So nutritional density should be high Rich in vitamins, minerals, and good fats, and also uh, polyphenols, which is like the the secondary nutrients that we're going to see much more discussed in the in the near future because we are starting to understand that these secondary nutrients that have been lost in the modern um, farming. Because of, we are trying to we trying to squeeze out as high production as possible. We are taking out new uh, uh, new kind of breeds of plants that are more effective. But in that process and in the spraying of, of chemicals on our crops, we also lose some of these secondary nutrients. And uh, it's it's uh, something we really don't know right now what's go- how we're going to be affected from that because we don't have all the answers. How important these uh, substances are in so many ways. And um, if we look at, at, at that part, we know for sure that uh, when we do not get enough secondary nutrients, there is, uh, for example, and an, an secondary nutrients um, in, in tomatoes called uh, lycopene. And if we look at an ordinary tomato that you buy in the grocery store today, Uh, basically most type of of tomatoes don't have any lycopene anymore. And why is lycopene so important? Well, it has shown to be, has an anti-cancer effect. It it, um, helps you resist from cardiovascular disease. It helps you having an um, anti-inflammatory defense system in, in your body. So it helps you in so many ways. And now when we don't have the lycopene in our tomatoes anymore, uh, in most of the tomatoes you can still find them and you need to google to see what are the types of tomatoes that are still having The lycopene and where can I find them and also then you need to for the thirdly also need to look at how has they been grown uh, in that that actually tomato that you're getting so the these secondary nutrients uh, called f- uh, polyphenols are so so interesting uh, to look into in the future. What research are going to show? The question always pops up in in this uh, uh, discussion: Do we need supplements? Well, if we look at the the number, you know, the two big problems we have when with our with our food today is that. We have a problem with over-farming uh, that prevents valuable nutrients being replenished into the soil. That's one of the, uh, you know, one of the big problem. But also pesticides and insecticides further reduce the nutrients profile of our food. And today we can see that the soil contains up to 80% less nutrients than it just did a few decades ago, resulting in less nutrients in our food. Because if we don't have the nutrients in the soil, how are we going to have the nutrients in our in our food? The second problem we have is if we look look into the shopping carts when you go to the grocery store, especially like a Friday before the weekend, we can see what is it that most people are shopping. What are they putting in in their shopping carts? Is it full of vegetables and and um, fruits and berries and and uh, nuts and and stuff like that no i wouldn't say that that's what we're gonna what we're we're gonna find there we're gonna find uh pizzas we're gonna find candy we're gonna find chips soda beer and so on and so on and so on and so even though even though we could have a, a better health by eating healthier most people do not shop the healthiest stuff but even if they did it doesn't contain as much much nutrients as it used to that doesn't mean that you can now skip eating the healthy stuff it's it's still important for your health in so many ways but with those two uh, uh, basically facts I would say and I have said for the last 30 years if you want to have optimum health and if you want to help your body you know, function at the highest level and have the best odds possible of, of staying healthy, you need to use high quality supplements and, and supplement the vitamins and the minerals and feed your gut uh, the healthy stuff it needs and the good, uh, high quality fats as well. That's just, you know, facts. And I, had, I studied nutrition for two years and, and I have worked in the health area for 30 years. And for me, there is no logic of saying we do not need any supplements. For me it's like so obvious that is we cannot, you know, have our eyes closed for that anymore. So um, that's just the way it is. And and will we survive without them? Yeah, probably. Can we still have a high life expectancy? Probably. Can we have increased the quality of life and especially have a higher A better health and a better, stronger immune system, a better functional body by supplementing, probably. Um, There's too many factors and too many facts that are pointing in that direction. Um, And that's what I've been saying for the past 30 years. And it hasn't changed because of the way the food looks like and the way our uh, behavior looks like. Now, when it comes to the to the brain, we I would like to put some some interesting thoughts when it comes to exercising, for example, and how that affects the brain. And when we use the muscles, what happens Well, the number one function of your body is to carry your brain because your brain is controlling your body. So your body is protecting the brain in so many ways. And that brain is so fragile and we really need to take care of it in the best possible ways. Uh, but but how can we do to actually get the brain to stay healthier? Well, there's been a lot of uh, research coming out the last few years when it comes to stress and exercise. How important it is for not only our heart and our muscles to exercise, but for our brain to cope with stress, especially we, when we have that constant stress we have in the modern society where we sit in an office or we sit in a car we sit still in meetings and we have that stress inside of us that are building up the cortisol in our body and and are we're getting an unbalanced hormonal system to actually on a daily basis exercise is going to help not only your heart and your muscles and and you know your system but it will uh, help your brain to actually cope with stress. So that is super, super important. But also when we exercise, if we look at the function of the brain, we can see that daily exercise gives you better focus, gives you better feeling of happiness, gives you a better memory, gives you better creativity, and it slows down aging. So in, in all those things, you, know, you, you need to think about isn't that what life is about? To be happy, to, ha- to have the, 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 um, the, the possibility of staying focused for a long time and, and having a brain that is with me my whole life. That's where exercise comes in and play a big role, big, big role. But we can also see when it comes to genetics and what's called epigenetics. And when it comes to that part, we, we know today that When it comes to genetics there is a function that we call epigenetics that we can shift uh, the way that our genes act we can turn them off and turn them on by our lifestyle so if we look at for example epigenetics effects on exercise long walks with deep breathing give a double oxygen of the blood and a large energy supplement thus the body spontaneously he- healing of various injuries is accelerated. We can also see when women who have never moved on moved and they start to, uh, uh, um, an exercise program in their 40s with fast half-hour walk for four, four times a week. After a couple of months, they have the same risk of heart attacks as those who have exercised their whole life. So, in other words. If you're like around your 40s and you haven't exercised before and you're starting to having four 30-minute brisk walks a week and within a couple of months you have lowered your risk of heart heart disease dramatically and when i always talk to people there's so many times that i i hear people say well you know now it's too late i have never exercised why should i start then when you start to change your behavior, you start to you know, give the, your genes the opportunity to, to turn on or turn off, which basically means that you can lower your risks, uh, risks of several different diseases in so many ways. Research has also shown that every percentage you increase muscle mass, you, uh, you can spend a couple of years on life expectancy. So by building up your muscle mass basically means that you can add a couple of years in, in life. So the connection between life expectancy and the muscles is tremendous. And also we can see that people that, that goes to the gym and, and actually exercise their, their, their muscles uh, with strength training increase their memory, increase their uh, capability of focusing. So there's a direct connection between the muscles and the brain as well. Three hours of exercise a week makes biologically 10 years younger in the body than if you do not exercise. Physical activity can also give double bonus. It both counteracts depression and increases the level of happiness in the body. So by actually moving and exercising... You are affecting the brain and your mood and the, the feeling of happiness, in, uh, which basically means that now your body is strong, you can have a higher life quality at an older age, and you have a brain that functions with you, which basically means that you can, you can live a, a high-quality life for many years and die, die healthy late in life. When your body is finished, it's finished, but you don't have to spend the last 10, 15, 20 years with a lowering life quality for each year that goes by and, and living off medications that are just suppressing different symptoms because of the lifestyle you're having. These are some thoughts that I have about the connection between the brain, the gut, the muscles, and back to the brain again. I hope that you get inspired by some of these advice and some of these things I'm talking about. And my deepest wish is that this actually helps you do some changes that will affect your life life quality and uh, creates a better life for you. And maybe you tell a friend about this podcast and they will listen and they will change. That's my passion. That's what I'm all about, and I hope this gave you some serious inspiration for better health. Take care, my friends.